which of us would you say is the biggest poetry fan? Um, I, I think just de facto it has to be me. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it, neither of us really can claim any sort of yeah. expertise. That's true. Neither one of us are poetry aficionados. Uh, so do you, do you wish you read more poetry? Uh, or are you satisfied with your poetry intake? You know, I really appreciate National Poetry Month because mm-hmm. every April I make a point of reading mm-hmm. several. And while it's not going to be something I don't think that I would ever be like, I have to read more mm-hmm. poetry, I do each year find things that I appreciate, mm-hmm. find things that I wouldn't have discovered otherwise. So I am grateful for the month. I'm grateful for Malika Costa, mm-hmm. who has been here who has been here on staff for several years. He is a poetry aficionado. Yeah. And each, each year he finds something cool for us to read. Yeah. And we sit down and discuss. Yeah. So if you'll excuse me, I shall go and fetch Malik. You know what? I'll do it. I'll go get Malik. Okay. You you stay here. Well, I'll I, go get Malik. But I'm fine to do it. I no, just, I'm going to do it. Okay, but like you're going to uh-huh. you're going to get Malik uh-huh. and then you and Malik are going to uh-huh. come back and all three of us are going to talk about poetry. Malik. I 100% promise you. Okay. That Malik what will be here. Right. And I will be the one who gets him. You're going to be here, here as I well. Here I go. All three of us. Off I go. I'm going. Okay. Getting Malik. Okay. And but you are you're gonna you'll Bye, be, I'll be back. yep Malik will be back okay Bye. huh welcome to episode two forty two of the All the Books Show recorded at uh, no we're re- recorded remotely all over the place yeah everybody is in quarantine so yeah it's fun we're being socially responsible and not recording us at the David A. Hale Public Library that's right yeah. we talk book news author news and literary news in this new brave world that we're living in <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right where toilet paper is a commodity where you couldn't yeah. find a Clorox wipe to save your life here, here we yeah. are recording <laughs> yeah I'm Eric Michaels I'm Nick Gunning and today we're joined by our friend Malik Acosta welcome back Malik this is I want to I always I need to figure this out before we start but this is what your fourth or fifth maybe uh, episode I, I think this is my third just your third yes okay all right oh That's... you know what it's because last time we talked about poet x and poems for married people or whatever that was we talked about yes. two last time, yeah. so that threw Double up the count. malik's here because it's a uh, poetry month and we all know eric's feelings on poetry and so <laughs> so malik's the ringer that we're bringing in because uh malik you you read a lot of poetry you write a lot of poetry i do i do so, you know, we, we need your expertise for this month here. <laughs> Before we get to the spotlight, let's open up the old books, check out the bookmarks, see what we're doing. Uh, Malik, have you read anything interesting during this quarantine days? I did read The Sewing Circle. Oh, Oysterville Sewing Circle for our book club. Yes. Yes, I did read that, and then this one that we about to talk about, The Lonely okay. Down. All right, all right. Yeah, that book club is uh, April 21st that we're just going to be doing digitally. It's probably it'll be available on Facebook or YouTube or whatever. So, all right, well, don't give it away how you feel about it now. Oh. We'll, we'll save it for the book club then. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Eric? How's uh, how's isolation treating you? Have you been uh, reading a lot? Are you still trapped in that Patrick Rothfuss book? I am, but I also was picking up comments. I'm just... it's. It's weird. All the stuff that I like to do when I have free time is now, uh, I now consider it toxic <laughs> or something <laughs> during this. Because it's like, now that all I have is free time, it's like, well, I don't want to read right now. I know. Right. Just, yeah. I feel like every choice I make is really like a choice of deciding not to do something else. You know what yeah, I mean? So I'm, yeah. like, I'm trapped in a yeah. constant feedback loop. Yeah. You know, like uh, Kendra, she's still, she's still working from home. Yeah. So when she's done at like, 
even at like two o'clock, she's been like, all right, now I'm going to do this stuff. And I'm like, look at her just living her life. <laughs> and what did I read? I, yeah. So I'm still reading the wise man's fear by Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah. I read Spider-Man life strong. <laughs> <laughs> I read Spider-Man life story by Chip Zdarsky. Oh. Have you read something by Chip Zdarsky? I read his whole Spider-Man run about five volumes, but I haven't read this one. Is it good? Oh, okay. So Spider-Man life story is interesting because what it's doing is each issue is set during a decade, starting from where Spider-Man first appeared in the 60s oh, okay. and going up to the 2010s. Right. And so for these six issues, it's treating it like Spider-Man was 15 in 1962 okay. and becomes Spider-Man, but he's aging as he would in real life oh. throughout each decade. Okay. But the things that happened to him in the comics during these decades still happen. So in the 80s, even though now he would be, what, in his 40s, the the venom suit is there okay. and uh in the 2000s they're still having the civil war even though he's you know 60 or something right so it's just this whole like life story of spider-man dealing with uh, all this stuff it's it's interesting it does some weird it makes some weird choices beyond just that concept but I liked it. It was really unique. It's definitely on my list because I thought his five-volume run of Spider-Man was some mm -hmm. of the best Spider-Man I've read recently. So, yeah, I, it sounds cool. I know I shouldn't say this because it will turn you off of it, but it kind of reminded me of Superman's Secret Identity because Superman's Secret Identity is also kind of like a Superman character living his whole life and everything. It's just... Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I've been reading Charles Soule's Daredevil run because oh, okay. uh, I just needed a break from uh, Chris Claremont's X-Men comic, <laughs> right. uh, Extreme X-Men. So I read the first three volumes of that. I'm still going. It's fine. The biggest issue in it is that there are three runs right before it that are really well-loved. The okay. Brian Michael Bendis, the Ed Brubaker, and the Mark w Wade, one, uh, Wade run, which is right before this one, and it, Charles Soule's first volume, it's basically like, all that stuff is undone now. All the characters that we've met throughout are gone. His secret his, his secret identity is secret again. When the biggest thing you can say about your run is that it undid everybody else's run, <laughs> it's not so great. Right. I, I read... I feel like I read the... I, you know what? I read the did. first... You have a review of it, and yeah, you like the, the art. I did. I like the art, and I yeah. thought the story was decent. I have not read a ton of Daredevil. I mean, I've read Guardian yeah. Devil... I read mm -hmm. the first um, first batch of the Frank Miller run, right. I, but I think I only read the stuff that he illustrated, not even the stuff that he wrote. So yeah. I'm uh, not a Daredevil aficionado. Yeah, well, I mean, if you are coming in fresh with this one, I, you wouldn't have any of these problems because the art is good. The whole, like, oh, everything's been undone doesn't really matter because right. you hadn't read it. So, right, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, I haven't read any Daredevil comics recently, but I did watch the series on Netflix. Oh, okay. It's a Netflix show, yeah. And yeah. um, it was it was surprisingly it was really good, really yeah. good. Well, I just rewatched Electra for my Three Nice Things podcast, where uh -huh. we say three nice things about a bad movie. And uh, <laughs> this was kind of being like, you know what? I need to I need to get back to the good Daredevil stuff. I, oh, so this is like a palate cleanser for Daredevil. See, a I, bit, yeah. I never really got past. Um, I think I watched the first half of the first season. The violence in that show was just yes. like it's pretty gruesome. I can't oh, handle yeah. it. Yeah. I can't handle yeah. violence anyway. Yeah, but yeah. that show was like yikes. Gore, yeah, gore is pretty gross. Intense. But yeah. when when gore is dripping, I'm just like yeah. I'm done. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an out. That's an out. I I also read Extreme X Men Volume One: Destiny by Chris Claremont. So this is his second time returning in 2001 to the X Men series uh, after his like big uh, 
signature run that he did for 17 years earlier. Uh, I actually read this as a kid. Like, my dad got me this. Oh, and it's, okay. it's nine issues, so it was pretty packed. And this is as I read this as I was just getting into X Men comics, but even then I was like, you know what, this isn't good. <laughs> and time has not made it any easier. It was a slog. It's just I don't I don't even know. I, I'd have to do such a deep dive on this comic of why it's so boring, but it is. It's boring, and <laughs> considering he either created or wrote most of these characters for so long, you think he would have a better handle on how to make it entertaining. Yeah. But he doesn't. I watched the entire series called Mythic Quest on Apple TV. Okay. It was doing a free seven days. So I was like, I can watch Mythic Quest in seven days. It's basically like this workplace sitcom about a video game company that has one of the guys from uh, Always Sunny, Danny Pudi from Community in it. Oh, okay. It's, It's basically just this video game company that is that has created this big multiplayer online game like World of Warcraft or something, and it's insanely popular, but it's just, it's a comedy about it all. So, like, the workplace comedy stuff is fun, the the comedy stuff about video games, they have a streamer character on there that's the most obnoxious kid that you'll ever see. I'm looking forward to a second season because I think it will be better, but for the, uh, the nine episodes I watched, it was pretty good. Nice. I also, <laughs> I watched uh, Birdman of Alcatraz, yeah. And then oh, the, like like old school Birdman about yeah the Burt okay. Lancaster film wow okay. and then uh, later I watch I re for I've I've seen it before but I rewatched Shawshank Redemption I'm like oh wait I'm watching a bunch of prison films maybe I need to get out of this headspace yeah, I guess so, <laughs> so yeah. I almost put on like Escape from Alcatraz I'm like you know what no it's fine that's we're, it, that's it. we're not all in a prison Eric been diving in now I know. <laughs> seriously <laughs> have you watched anything good Malik during this time. What did I watch? I haven't watched any new series. Okay. I kind of I, I kind of went back and watched The Witcher because. Oh, okay. It was Witcher. Yeah. For for me, it was really disappointing. Very oh, disappointing. Okay. Interesting. Hot uh, take. I, Hot take. I, 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 yeah, I feel like I'm the only one that that's yeah. been pretty disappointed with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just the action is really dry to me. It's it's just not what I expected. I, mean, I thought it would be a lot better. So I, I kind of went back to rewatch it to see if maybe I was just being a little biased because it was my first time Fingers watching crossed. it. And, and I only got through three episodes of <laughs> rewatching it, but I had already watched the whole thing. Okay. And then I feel like they try to squeeze too much into, what was it, eight episodes? Yeah, it's not, it's not a long se- season. Eric, I can't remember. Were you thumbs up on this show? I was thumbs up on the show, but it's basically just the retelling of the first two books. Okay. So I was already familiar with the story. Yeah. So, um, but Kendra, who hadn't done that, she she enjoyed it, and she didn't know anything that was going to happen. Like, a, a lot of people sold it as like, oh, it's like the new Game of Thrones, but it's not really like that stuff. It's, right. it's I mean, even the books are just really different from their origin and everything, so. Yeah, strong fantasy uh, kind of stuff. Yeah. I've done a little rewatching. I went back and restarted Arrested Development. Have you guys mm-hmm. ever seen that? Have you seen that, Malika? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. funny. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I was such a fan of the of the original like Fox, the three seasons. We, we watched that when it was on, which I, I, is a brag, and I'm you know I'm I'm gonna just gonna brag about that because we did catch it while it was on. I and, watched it while it was on. Okay, it's not a. And I was a teenager. It's not a. I was hip. <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, and then we watched the fourth season when it came uh, on yeah. Netflix, which I just hated. Yeah. Uh, but I've heard good things about the fifth season. So we were just going to start the fifth season. Mm. But then I was like, ah, you know, it's been so long. I kind of want to go back. And I never actually watched the remixed fourth season where they like put it in a, in a more a linear order. Have you, have you either of you seen this? No, I would imagine I'd be less interested in a linear season four because the non-linear nature of it was probably the only thing that was interesting to me. Yeah. So. It's, a, it's a rough season, but I Burn. have heard oh. really, really positive things about the fifth. So we're, we're going yeah. back through and reading all that. But you sounded like you had something, Eric. What is well, it? Well, yeah, because uh, movie theaters are closed and, right. you know, the theatrical runs of movies are over yeah. until who knows how long. Right. Disney Plus put Onward out on on the service like oh, a okay. month after it hit theaters. Yeah. Yeah, so they did. They did. We, uh, we watched Onward uh, the night it came out, which was nice. You know, if you do have access to Disney Plus or a free trial or something, it was definitely like with everything going on, it was just a nice like hour and a half or however long it was of like a nice fun movie. It's, it's not up there with Pixar's best, but it was definitely like an enjoyable time with like Chris Pratt and Tom Holland playing brothers with some fantasy jokes in there that uh, it made uh, Kendra cry a little bit. It, it had some moments. It definitely was like a, a nice cathartic moment. Yeah, I agree because yeah. we have Disney Plus and yeah. that, that's like all my son watch all day, every <laughs> yeah. day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we did. We actually got that one. We were surprised it was on there. Yeah, um, yeah. I know. I know they're doing something where you can. Like movies that's in theaters. Uh, There's some, yeah, like could, the yeah, you Invisible Man and them. Bloodshot. Yeah. They're like twenty bucks though. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're like twenty bucks. I mean, that's yeah. still cheaper than going out to the movies. Definitely, but. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's some stuff you could still watch. Yeah, I purposely didn't take my son to it because if it's too sad, he just hates it. He's just like, oh, no, I don't oh, want yeah. sadness. And I figured this would be a sad one. Is that right? It is sad because the whole plot is that the two brothers are trying to finish a spell that will bring their dad back. Their right. dad passed away when uh, the oldest brother was very young. And so the youngest one who's played by Tom Holland. He wants to bring the dad back just for this one day so that he can even meet him. As the story goes, you know, it's just kind of like sad with them trying to get there, but things getting in the way, so they're losing time because the spell is halfway through, so the 24-hour time clock is going. There's a, there's one or two crying moments, I okay. think. So. All right. Well, yeah. what uh, what we did watch was uh, <laughs> Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Are you guys, you guys, no. you guys Pee-wee Herman fans? Probably not. I mean, I watched the show as a kid. Yeah, Kiwi's Big Holiday. Yeah. I I vaguely remember that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, this this is a new one. This is one that came out in 2016. There was like what Pee-wee, the Tim Burton one is what Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and then there's uh, Big Top Pee-wee. <laughs> but I watched this new one with my son, and I mean, we both just laughed hysterically. So. Well, who who knew there was going to be a fun new Pee-wee thing? But I watched that. I have been oh, doing. Wow. I've been doing a decent amount of reading as well. Read some some graphic novels, of course, uh, including the some classic Green Lantern, Green Lantern Archives Volume Two, which introduces okay. a lot of characters. Like that run is super crucial. The six issues there because it's uh, right. it's about to get real nerdy, Malik. So just buckle up. Uh, okay. it, it introduces Tomari. It introduces Sinestro. It brings the Guardians back, and it's the first Green Lantern Flash 
team up. So it was a pretty cool set of runs. Eric, have you read any of this really old Green Lantern? I have not. It is so reminiscent of like 1940s, 50s sci-fi. I oh, It's more funny. sci-fi than like current Green Lantern stuff, which is pretty <laughs> sci-fi, but this has a very pulp serial feel. So, right. so that was a lot of fun. I'm currently reading, uh, yeah. let's see, my son was watching the uh, Mo Willems, Mo Willems writes Elephant and Piggy and, and the Pigeon books and all that, was doing every day a, a lunch doodles thing and he loved that. And when that ended, we tried to find another one. And uh, Jared J. Krizaka, who wrote Hey Kiddo. Hey Kiddo, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. graphic novel that it deals with drugs. Yeah, he wrote that. He also writes the Star Wars Jedi Academy books. He writes the Lunch Lady graphic novels. Anyway, this author is doing a daily drawing time called Drawing with JJK. So my son and I started watching that. And so I, I got. I didn't realize he did the Lunch Lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't either. But uh, so we started reading Jedi Academy Volume 4, which is when Jared J. Krizaka takes over, called mm-hmm. a, new, a New Class. Because wow. my son is loving the uh, the daily drawing stuff. So um, this has been pretty fun so far. I've never read any of these. Uh, I also started uh, Michael Crichton's Dragon Teeth. Mm-hmm. Because it's the only Michael Crichton audiobook we have on Libby. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to read a Crichton, and that was my only option. So that's what I'm doing now. And then randomly, and this is a weird one, I'm reading a book based on the USA TV series Psych called A Mind is a Terrible Thing to Read. By William Rabkin. Okay. This is one that I've had on my nook for, I feel like, 10 years, and I've just never read it. And, uh, you know, it's slim pickings these days. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. So <laughs> I'm reading that, and then it's random. That's pretty much it for me. What do we, what do we got book news-wise, Eric? We haven't checked in on the New York Times bestsellers in a while. Yeah, you know what? I actually grabbed the New York Times bestsellers list for combined print and ebook fiction. Makes sense. Because I think that will give us a better look yeah, at right now. Absolutely. I don't know. Uh, people are still probably buying hardcover books online and whatnot, but Maybe. yeah, I'm, I'm sure ebook is actually where it is. But that yeah. means older books are, are through here because this is stuff that would also be in paperback at the right, moment. Right. So uh, we'll do the top 10 New York Times bestsellers list for combined print and ebook fiction. Take it away. What are people reading right now? So 28 weeks on this list is The Silent Patient by Alex McKillides. Theo Faber looks into a mystery of a famous painter who stops speaking after shooting her husband. Yep. Quarantine will do that to you, right? I oh, think yeah. so, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, number nine, Then She Was Gone by Lisa Jewell. Ten years after her daughter disappears, a woman tries to get her life in order but remains haunted by unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. It looks a little spooky. Ooh. Number eight. I'm actually, I actually want to read this one, so I'm waiting for a discount, I guess. <laughs> uh, the Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mendel. Oh, years author of uh, Station, Station 11. 11. Right. Yep. Uh, years after an international Ponzi scheme falls apart, one of its victims investigates the disappearance of a woman from a container ship. You love doesn't Station seem... 11. I, was... Well, yeah, I love Station 11. This description doesn't like win me over, but I'm no. like, you know what, I'll, I'll trust her. So, That's good of you. That's good of yeah, you. Yeah, because Station Eleven was one of my favorite books of the decade. I remember. Wow, I remember yeah. that episode. Yeah. yeah. Check that out. Uh, number seven, American Dirt by Jenny Cummins. A bookseller flees Mexico for the United States with her son while pursued by the head of a drug cartel. Yeah. That one's pushed a little bit by controversy, I think is why that one's yeah. staying on here, but... Number six, In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. A Manhattan lawyer finds herself confronting a vision she had when elements of it come to life on schedule. What? A Manhattan lawyer finds herself confronting a vision she had when elements of her vision come to life yeah. on schedule. Okay. Yeah. I think she's had a prophetic vision, and when it starts to really take place, she's yeah. like, what? I wonder if this references David Bowie's five years. Probably not. Okay. I doubt it. Number four. 
five, The Lost Odyssey by James Rollins, the 15th book in the Sigma Force series. Oh, Cata- yeah. Catastrophic dangers might be set in motion when a medieval ship is discovered in Greenland. We did one of these for a book club, and it was uh-huh. not not for me. I didn't like yeah. that one at all. Well, uh, even just reading this, The Catastrophic Dangers, is like, all right, that sounds pretty quaint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Number four, The Sinner by J.R. Ward, the 18th book in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series. Joe Early is attracted to a potentially dangerous stranger. Number three, The Boy from the Woods by Harlan Coben. When a girl goes missing, a private investigator's feral childhood becomes an asset in the search. You said feral. Yeah, a feral childhood okay. becomes so he was like, an asset. He was like raised by wolves and now is a PI. Yeah, the private guess investigator. Okay. Uh, the Boy from the Woods. I'm in. So I guess this is if like Tarzan or Mowgli became a PI. Well... In the Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan books, he does become a secret agent by, like, okay. book two. So, you know, <laughs> wow. it, yeah. it, it can happen. Yeah, okay. Uh, number two, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you wow. know what? Hold, hold on, hold okay. on, because right. we're not done with Reese Witherspoon. But in quiet town of North Carolina coast in 1969, a young woman who survived alone in the marsh becomes a murder suspect. So this is on, we've talked about this, this is on Reese Witherspoon's book club. And yep. Ben Lehman who does our music That's right. for this show. Maestro he Ben Lehman. came at us on Twitter, uh, letting us know all the best Reese Witherspoon performances. Yep. Yes. And I guess he called them, like, Reese Witherspoon fans are called Spoonheads? Is that what they were called? Apparently. Yeah. Boy. Well, number Boy. one <laughs> is uh, Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste N.G. Oh, yes. An artist upends a quiet town outside Cleveland, and this is now on Hulu yep. with Reese Witherspoon. And Carrie and Washington. My wife just finished watching Morning Show on oh. Apple TV with Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. So, and then Big Little Lies. Yeah. You know, they're, uh, she's everywhere. She is. Oh, yeah, she so, is. Little, anyway. Fires, Little Fires Everywhere, the book, I think is great. I, I, okay. I, I really do recommend that one. I, I think Carrie Washington would be amazing in that. So yeah. maybe I'll need to check that out. All right. Well, it's Poetry Month. Shall we get into it? Sure. Yes, we shall. Well, I, you know what? Actually, though, I need to go get Malik for this, for this no, episode. No, Eric. We well, are I'm just going to run no, outside no, no. real quick. He's here. You stay. <laughs> you can just stay. It's fine. <sighs> okay. That's fine. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. That, that that would take a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yes, know what? I, I forgot my poetry downstairs, actually. No, no, no. no. It's fine. We're just going to talk about You've already read it. I know you've already read it. Oh, oh no. Yeah. I, that's right. I have read this one. All the books presents Author Spotlight. All right, Malik, what's our book for uh, this year's Poetry Month episode? Okay, this year we're going with Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. Jason Reynolds. Okay, this year we had to go with one that we could all access digitally, uh, which which worked well because we had this on ebook and audiobook. And actually, it comes pretty highly recommended by one Eric Mickles. It's true. Yeah. I, uh, really? Yeah, wow. I read this, um, gosh, let me get... It was a lot. My uh, Goodreads open. I think like right when it came out, you read it. it I read of... this. Well, I, I don't know if I read it right when it came out, but I did read it right after I read uh, Jason Reynolds' uh, Ghost, the, oh, okay. the book about uh, track yeah. team, the boy yeah, joining the, the track team. Yeah, so I read this in 2018. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I know I remember you talking about it at the time, and my wife has also read it. She loved it, so I, th- I think it's a perfect one. And this is the third yeah. of this is. The I actually third... read this before Poet X. Oh, okay. 
So ah, okay. this is the third um, novel in verse that we focused on. And I think, I, well, uh, well, let me ask you this. I, I listened to the audiobook of this. Did anybody else do the audiobook? No. I did. I did. Oh, okay. Which um, read by Jason Reynolds, right? Was yours also? Right. Yeah. Okay. Jason Reynolds. Yeah. Which I thought really, really added to it. I thought his reading of it, it was perfect. It really mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Because did you... it's free verse. It, it's free verse. So it's almost like he's writing it how he would say it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so that, I think that hearing him read it was was definitely a better experience for me. Yeah, yeah I agree, and I also thought that the the nature of that came across a little bit more than in the Kwame Alexander book we did a few years back, crossover. I, I thought the uh, I don't know. In some ways, I thought this was almost a better use of that format. Did you, Malik? Did you uh, did you listen to the interview with Jason uh, after after the audiobook? Yeah, I, I actually listened to that one and a, a few more because I wasn't as familiar with him as I, I thought. I had skimped through Ghost a little bit before. Okay. But I didn't even know that he was the one that wrote um, the Spider Verse. Um, oh, Miles Miles, Miles Morales. Morales. Yeah. 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 So I didn't I didn't even know a lot of his like a lot of his work. I really like so I really uh started getting into a couple of his uh, interviews and stuff like that well i thought the the interview was particularly interesting because uh, one of the questions was why why did you write this in verse and i thought his answer was really good i mean basically he wanted to make it easy and accessible and well eric just like just like you say whenever you take the kwame alexander books over for the book club i mean you find kids are, in, are a lot more engaged with that because what a quick read it is it's still right. you know right yeah it tricks them in in to turning the page faster yeah because right. every page is just like sometimes just like a standalone thing yeah and right. so you think that you're reading smaller segments but you're you're turning the pages just as fast so yeah. kind of uh it becomes a quicker read absolutely right. and and i think it, it encourages you to continue on because you know you're reading you look down and you're like wow i'm already on page 40 great you know it, it, you right. really have that sense of accomplishment but but he was saying in that interview that he felt like this would be a way that um people would feel like it was something they can actually do and i thought that his answers about why he chose to read it himself was pretty enlightening too that he just felt because it's because it's poetry because it's written in this way like he knows what it's supposed to sound like and he just didn't trust anybody else to do it right and yeah, I, I get that <laughs> yeah i do too i do too cuz you know audiobook readers can make or break it and this, I think, was also a little personal for him, too, as well. Didn't he? He had something about that in there, too, didn't he, Malik? He did speak a lot about a lot of the book being open to interpretation. Yeah. Uh, like, a lot of people see it as as far as, like, the end. A lot of people have different endings yeah. in their mind of what happened. Yeah. So that made me think, like, you know, yeah, I, I think it is was pretty personal to him. Yeah, I agree. And I, I know that I know that he said, and I, I think it was actually an NPR interview with him. He was talking about having lost a friend as a teenager and feeling that, like, pull for revenge. Right. Um, right. And so this was uh, this was sort of his way of working through that and also addressing the cycle of violence. That he, the example he gave was that he does a lot of work with like inmates and that sort of thing. And, and he was saying that sometimes people are, are behind bars for a, a rivalry about something that they don't even know the, the root of it anymore. It's just, right. you know, this back and forth that's been going on since the 60s. And, and some of the kids involved in this are, you know, 16, 17 years old. So you know, I think he was trying to address a lot of those issues in there and did it quite well. So let's talk about the plot. Let's just give a, a basic plot overview. Well, basically, it's about uh, a guy named Will. Um, his big brother named Sean ended up getting murdered. And basically, the book is mostly about the thought process of uh, what Will is going through yeah. as he tries to figure out 
uh, if he should get revenge for his brother's death or if he shouldn't. It all takes place in an elevator. It's it's, yeah. all, it's his elevator ride from the eighth floor uh, down to the main floor from his apartment. As the he's uh, he's meeting the uh, the victims right. slash uh, the people who used the gun. Yeah. That killed his brother. Yeah. So he, yeah, just uh, going through its whole history. Eric, I think, uh, if I remember right, a couple years back when you were talking about this, you said that it was, you know, it's kind of reminded you of A Christmas Carol in that way. A bit in that he's being visited by these ghosts and they're telling the story. I, <laughs> that's interesting I said that. I don't remember saying that. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it felt like a bit of a cheat. Past Eric really should have thought his words carefully. <laughs> oh, well, no, I... Uh... <laughs> Reminded, I was reminded of that because in another interview I was reading with Jason Reynolds, he used that as well. That oh, all right. Well, of, then past Eric has it going. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, it was, but it was sort of shades of A Christmas Carol in that yeah. you have you have a main character being haunted by the past. And in this way, you know, rather than doing just a, a straightforward narrative or, or taking you through the story piece by piece, you know, each floor brings in a new layer and a new level. And I just thought it was exceptionally well done. It kind of reminds me of this reference I used to always hear, like when when it comes to um, illegal weapons, I used to always hear people say, uh, this gun got bodies on it. Mm. Uh, So meaning like if somebody bought a gun on the street, does the body have guns? I mean, the gun have bodies on it, meaning has how many people been killed with that? particular gun that's kind of what it reminded me of that really speaks to the heart of of what he's trying to say here because his motivation is the murder of his brother but part of part of what's in their background was how their father was murdered um when when will was very young and he does he doesn't have a lot of memories of him or anything like that so you know this whole chain of events starts by an accident and a misunderstanding but yet it continues like as the owners of this gun moves down like this this misunderstanding has led to like all these other problems and so that was i think i think jason reynolds way of talking about the importance of just like taking a beat and like really really thinking about this and not being motivated by by sort of a a blind revenge or jumping in when when you don't really even know you don't really even know why you're doing it yeah i heard him say in the interview it is more like uh using you know your intellect and and using your mind more than just the primal instinct yeah revenge or you know a lot of people like you said it's a lot of it's just you know like even in the book it's it's misunderstandings yeah it's, it's like senseless violence because people think you know what is the root of this or what's really going on yeah they more just reacting why do you think that that the poetry form was so effective with this story like how would it have been different if this book would have been just a traditional prose narrative oh well for me it's 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 a lot. It's just more interesting, mm-hmm. and you know, in, in free verse and poetry, it's it's all about storytelling. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just feel like it's it's an easier way to get that point across as far as the process, rather than it just being like a novel. Yeah. Where where you just feel like you're just reading a story of mm-hmm. of something that happened. It, it feels like more like you're inside a person's head. Right. Yeah, that's and what I that's what I was struck coming by. Coming out in their words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very personal, I thought. It, right, right. It has it has more of that. I feel like you connect more to Will and what he's going through because of that format than you might have if you were reading, you know, a two, three hundred page book. I think the it adds it adds a dynamic that feels like this is in motion. Like the story just right. feels like it's in constant motion and it's leading towards this big event. And I I think it would have been I think you could certainly could have accomplished that in, in a pro 
prose story, but I think that it would have been a very different kind of experience, and I don't know that it would have been as impactful in a traditional right. novel. I kind of found myself, when I was getting towards the end, uh, almost like, what can the story... Because it was like almost at the end, and I felt like it wasn't a resolution or like yeah. an ending coming, so I was kind of like, is is this enough room for yeah. a whole ending? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that that's, uh, that's, that's one of the strengths of it, too, is because it doesn't it's not wrapped up neat at the end, you know, like we, right. I mean, we won't give it away, but, but the ending is ambiguous, you know, like, like you were right. saying earlier, Malik, I mean, there's a lot of interpretations about what happens next. And I think that right. uh, in leaving it that way, you know, it, it's encouraging discussion. It's, you, you can't really read this book without putting it down and then sitting there and thinking what happens next. Like what, what's the meaning of that? Did, did all of these people that Will is seeing as the elevator goes, was that enough to shake this foundation that he has? Was it enough to to have him, you know, really think about his motivations and his actions? Or is he just going to double down on it, you know? And I, I, I like I like the more hopeful interpretation of that, I guess. I, I hope that that's where it's, I hope that that's where it's leading. But, you know, I, I, as we know in real life, it, it doesn't, it doesn't always end that way, so it's. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it. I think it adds a power to it to have it be uh, ambiguous like that. Oh yeah, I think it kind of comes down to you know some people are you know very optimistic and some people are you know pessimistic. So yeah. it's probably going to be in between one of those two. What the interpretation is going to be for you personally. Mm-hmm. I do feel like out of the three we've done on this on the podcast so far, uh, crossover by Kwame Alexander. Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo, and then this one here. I feel like Long Way Down best utilizes the format and really, really rings everything out of it that you could possibly get. I, I think it's, a, I think it's a great piece of work. I do too. I do too. It was, I was kind of surprised when I first started reading it because I was like, it was, a, it was a little, you know, sad. Yeah. You know, at oh, yeah. first I was like, it was like really sad, and then I was yeah. like, you know, these things have to be talked about. So yeah. It, it, it definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. I think it's important too for like a younger crowd to get their hands on this. And, and like Eric's saying, you know, it, it is something that a teen would be more likely to, to pick up and read through because it is something that you can accomplish and it's less daunting. Um, right. Eric, you said you'd read Ghost before this? I said that and uh, I need to retract that. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I read Ghost afterwards. Oh, I see. Okay. okay. And Malik, Malik, you, you know what? I read Long Way Down because this won the Edgar Award. It did, yeah. And that was the reason I picked it up because it won the Young Adult Edgar Award, and that's for mystery. It is, yeah. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'll check this out. The uh, the plot and everything, uh, you know, the uh, he has these discussions on his way down in the elevator uh, about the weapon that uh, killed his brother and everything yeah. and it winning that award. So I decided to check it out for that. And then... I think I was just kind of surprised by what was actually the book because it's not really a mystery. No. And so that that award might be a little bit misleading. It's more of a, gosh, I mean, I guess there's levels of, like, a detective story in there and that yeah. you're, like, retracing the past of the gun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it, was, it was interesting to see it had won that. Well, it won several things. It, it, yes. it, it had almost universally positive reviews. It was starred in book really? lists. Kirkus, Hornbook, School Library Journal, Bulletin for the Center of Children's Books, and all the awards it, it received. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. It was a Newbery Honor, Coretta Scott King Honor, uh, Prince Honor Book. It won the Walter Dean Myers Award, and it also, as Eric said, won the Edgar Award for Best Young Adult Fiction. 
It was long listed for the National Book Award and was, of course, a New York Times bestseller for quite a while. So this book has rightly received a lot of acclaim and a positive mm-hmm. response all around. So so you both have, I mean, Malik, you said you kind of skimmed Ghost, right? Yeah, just a little. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not really familiar. The only other thing that I've read by him would was his Miles Morales book, and I didn't particularly like it. So, Eric, tell me a little about Ghost. Ghost is a, I guess you could say coming-of-age story, but it's basically about a boy who, um, he ends up joining the track team. I can't remember what initiates him joining the track team, but he's, uh, he, he's kind of troubled, and it's basically showing how, uh, being on the team, being on being on this track team with other kids with some troubled history, they they kind of like grow up and find a place to belong. Mm-hmm. So the I mean the coach is very much like you either do what you're supposed to or you're off the team, and that starts to uh, we follow Ghost as like that becomes like an actual threat to him. That okay. like oh I don't want to be off the team now. And this is yeah, a, it's a series. It's right. like four books right now. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking here. The books are Ghost, Patina. Sunny mm-hmm. Lou, four books right now. Last yeah. one came out in 2018, so it sort of seems like it's a, the series is set with four books. And these are just traditional novels. They're not set in verse, right? Yeah, they're just story. Each each book focuses on a different character, but no, they're not in verse. Oh, I see. Okay, are they? but they are connected, or is it Yeah, yeah, okay. all, all the characters are like part of the team. I see. So. Malik, have you done any other poetry reading in this poetry month? This one, I, I was doing a lot on... Um... Oh, Phyllis Wheatley. Yeah, Phyllis Wheatley. Yeah. yeah, Phyllis Wheatley. I was reading a lot. Actually, like, um, I read a lot of her poetry, but then I kind of started d- diving into some of the history, yeah. uh, you know, of her being um, one of the, like, first uh, female published poets. Yeah. And and stuff like that. Like, I, I had no idea about that. I think so, that she was uh, literally the first black woman with, with the published yeah. book of poetry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was. You know, a lot of people that was writing poetry during that time, you know, had a lot of uh, respect for it, too. So, yeah. Yeah, she has, like, a lot of her stuff was, it was really good. It, um, it was a lot of different English that they used it. Uh, yeah, that they used it back yeah. then. Yeah, so... I, I know. I read a little of it. And it was it was yeah. kind of hard to get through the language. I thought, but yeah, yeah. the language was a, was a little confusing, mm-hmm. but you know, it was pretty good. The only other thing I've read so far, and I usually try to read, you know, maybe one a week or something when we're actually at the library and I can just go down to the stacks. But the only other poetry book I've read this time around is Angel Fire by Joyce Carol Oates. Have you ever read any of her poetry, Malik? I haven't. You know, it's it's hit and miss. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I'm not a, I'm not a poetry expert and it's not a genre that I I read uh, that often, although I do, you know, every, every April try to try to get some in. But I typically like her stuff. And this one had a couple of particularly good ones, uh, one called Insomnia, uh, which was, you know, just a pretty good description of what it feels like to have insomnia. And the other was Nightmare, <laughs> same kind of thing. Um, but I thought uh, I thought that was a pretty, pretty solid collection of hers. I think this is maybe fourth or fifth book of hers, a book of poetry. Is the whole book about one. insomnia? No, no, oh, but, okay. but two I'm of them it. are two of them are like insomnia and dream themed. So Eric, if you want to write a book of insomnia poetry, I think that that would yeah, now's really the time. speak to your yeah. expertise. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, that's about it for me. Are you still writing pretty actively, Malik? Still writing poetry? I am. I am. I've, okay. I've still been writing. Nice. Uh, been work. We missed a couple workshops because of everything going on. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that was a little uh, discouraging, but I know everything will get back to normal. And uh, oh, I like your I like your optimism. That's that's oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to. We have to. Malik, do you have something that uh, you know? Some somebody like me who's who's not a big poetry expert. Um, do you have something that you think is a real approachable like? 
easy way to get into reading some poetry? Do you have a, an author that you'd recommend? Remember when we first started discussing what we was going to pick? Yeah. And um, I was kind of going back to the, the same author from yeah. uh, Poems for Married People. Yeah. But I, I started realizing a lot of his stuff is really, for people that's not into poetry and don't really want to dive deep into the yeah. thought the thought process of trying yeah. to interpret it. It, it, a lot of his stuff is is just straightforward. Yeah. Well, uh, that it, J- John Kenny's his name. That love poem yeah, for yeah, married sorry, people. Kenny, I mean, yeah. that just killed me. That was so funny. That yeah, he has, so funny. he has like two more books just like that. Three okay. more books just like that. So his stuff, you, I think you'll enjoy it. It'll. I feel like it. People that's not really into poetry. Yeah. That's the kind. That's the kind of stuff that will make like second guess. Yeah. And really, you know, think <laughs> about it. Especially now, trapped at home, I would love to read his love poems for people with children because his oh uh, yeah his married people one just uh, it got it just right. Eric, as I recall, you felt called out by a couple of those poems. One or two, yeah, but it was good. I have uh, I think I, think I said we before, all did because I it, it also didn't this didn't it make my books of the decade as well? I think it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it called me out on a few things, and I think it made me change certain behaviors as well. So <laughs> nice. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. does he uh, does he do uh, love poems for people stuck with uh, pets? Because I can't relate to being stuck with a kid right now. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think so. But he but he has one called uh, <laughs> love poems for anxious people coming out this year. Oh, so okay. maybe yeah. maybe that could work. I don't yeah. I don't know. I mean, does it compare? Can I relate being oh, in yeah. this house with uh, my oh, three sure. dogs, being like, oh, yeah. this is just like being with my kid all day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The uh... I wish the guinea pig would just shut up and watch your show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! Well, uh, thanks, fellas, for uh, for joining yeah. me on this uh, call here. It's more fun when we're all together in the same room, but uh, but this worked as well. Um, not much in the way of, of library news at the moment, other than I just encourage everybody to follow along on our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're staying pretty active use, there. Uh, you can still use Overdrive and Libby. Absolutely. Your friend, Miss Kate, over there on the children's side of things is, is doing a lot of uh, story times from home, different crafts from home. Uh, outside of the regular episodes here, uh, we're interviewing different directors from the library system throughout. Uh, we also have some special playlists for the podcast on soundcloud.com slash all the books. So if you want to just go and listen to all of our author interviews, if you want to just go listen to all our DC or Marvel spotlights, our Star Trek or Star Wars spotlights, all of that's over at soundcloud.com slash all the books. Uh, and once again, you, you know, you can follow us on uh, social media on any mm-hmm. of the major platforms. The book clubs right now are currently reading Oysterville Sewing Circle, which Malik is leading with me. So uh, yes. you can, you can uh, join Malik and I for that book club, which is on April 21st. And then the last week of the month, April 30th, uh, Nikki and Nicole are going to be doing a book club on On Beauty by Zadie Smith, which is a modern take on Howard's End. So uh, all, all that stuff is still going on. Uh, guys, are you still sane so far? Everybody still, uh, their brain still functioning properly and all that? Yeah. Yes, yes. Good, good. Yeah. Okay. Taking it, one, taking it one day at a time. That's, all, in, that's all you can do. Stay yeah. motivated. Yeah, yep. that's pretty I'm much I'm going to go watch uh, Castaway. Oh, and then maybe uh, Moon. I don't think you should watch The Shining, though. Maybe just stay no. pump no. the yeah. brakes before you hit The Shining. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Malik, thanks again for joining us. It was nice to talk to you again, too. It's oh, been uh, always a pleasure. Been a couple weeks since we heard your voice, so that's <laughs> that's, yes. that's nice. I- 
this right. this was this was very enlightening just to hear y'all voices made me feel like <laughs> I was back at work. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we'll we'll stay sane together then. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the All the Book Show. We'll see you next time when we're going to be interviewing a best-selling author Susan Wiggs. So join Woo. us for that. Thank you.